The Parent Show is sponsored by Neve Solicitors. Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. And welcome to The Parent Show on Radio Verrill of 92.6 FM. I'm Cathy Weston, and contrary to what um, was said earlier, I'm all on my own this evening, apart from some, in terms of our Parent Show team, uh, because it is half-term still for lots of children. So I'm in the studio with Dave Neal, our sound engineer. Hi, Dave. Hiya. Hiya. And our wonderful guest, Vlod. Hi, Vlod. Now, I can't pronounce your surname, so would you like to tell everyone what it is? I think you should keep it a Vlod. 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 We've got Vlod here, who is uh, 16 years old. And it's amazing to have a resident teenager for this show, isn't it, Dave? It's amazing. (laughs) Because this particular show is all about music and teenage angst and adolescence. And we're going to be reflecting on, well, what all of us went through as teenagers and what helped us through it in terms of different musical tastes and exploring sort of stereotypes and, you know, we, we might find out, Dave, that you and I like the same music. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Oh, well, I'm pretty pretty up with all sorts of music. So you are. Yeah. And I'm very proud to say that not only have I got... Check this out, Vlad. You'll think I'm very cool when I tell you this. Dave, who's doing our sound engineering tonight, he is a musician... And has a huge, you know, background in sound engineering. So he can tell us all about being in a band. You know, when were you in a band, Dave? Um, first band was probably when I was in my 20s. Yeah. And then uh, there was a bit of a gap when kids came along. Yeah. And then uh, then there was the company bands, which uh, which were sort of 90s and 2000s. So. Right. So he's going to take us through that. You don't remember the 90s or the 2000s, do you, Vlog? Quite, quite sadly, I've been hit with a streak of amnesia. So You were like two in 2000 or something, were you? My maths isn't very good. Um, so basically, um, and the other exciting thing to say is that in researching this show, uh, Vlog and I came across... A psychiatrist who plays music. It's amazing. And his name is Professor Rob Poole, who's the professor of social psychiatry and the co-director of the Centre for Mental Health and Society at Bangor University. Now, what do you think about that, Flod? It's pretty sick. Have you ever met a psychiatrist who's also a keen guitarist, musician, and is interested in all of these issues as well? Honestly, it's a first for me. I know, it's amazing. So, um, without further ado, what I wanted to just, sort for parents listening, you know, what are we really talking about this evening? Well, we're talking about when teenagers go through adolescence, you know, what, what is it about the music that they listen to that parents might worry about? You know, what what is the typical tastes of teenagers and what sort of atypical tastes? And with that, Vlad, I know you have a passion for what type of music? Well, there's two things I'm very passionate about, that being death metal and uh, Doris Day. So from Doris Day to death metal, now that is pretty impressive, isn't it, Dave? That's uh, eclectic. Eclectic, that's right. And of course, when I was do- researching this show with you, Vlad, I realised, do you know what? Well, 
I'm a 45-year-old housewife and I, I like gangster rap. I like lots of things maybe I'm not meant to like as a 45-year-old housewife. So I think it's quite nice for us to just chew the fat, you know, between our generations and talk about what's meaningful to us and what we like to do. Um, so you've mentioned death metal. So I've done my little research on that because you said you're passionate about it. Very and so. the Wikipedia description of death metal is an extreme subgenre of heavy metal, which typically employs moderate tempos, heavily distorted guitars, deep growling sounds. We'll come on to that. I know you know a lot about that, Vlad. <laughs> Bl blast beat drumming and complex song structures with multiple tempo changes. It's related to thrash metal and heavy metal and has spawned, spawned the related genres of melodic death metal. That's a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? Technical death metal, death doom, death, death metal grind. Phew! So uh, I'm sure many parents in St Albans listening this evening have never heard of this particular genre of music. Shame, really. Shame. It Isn't is a now? shame. So can you tell us, Vlad, just a little bit, you know, about some of the things that we've mentioned here that are the characteristics of death metal? You know, what, what, are, the, what are the deep growling vocals about? Well, it's, it's a stylistic kind of symbolic thing, really. Well, it just kind of stands for death metal as its own, where you'd hear it and you'd be like, well, that's kind of what separates it from any other genre, in a way, is the angry angst. And, you know, as, as you listen to it, across all the genres, it's the one thing that really stays there, because you can still have some sort of clean vocals, but you always have that iconic kind of guttural sound to it. And we're going to hear a little bit of that, God help us all, in a minute. But I just wanted to say, you know, compared to heavy metal, Dave, you and I probably listen to Metallica and all those kind of 80s mm -hmm. heavy metal bands. Mm -hmm. And I think they became quite mainstream, didn't they? Yeah, they, they, they had a very, very popular following in terms of being out there and in the public eye. Yeah. Perhaps. I mean, I'm not a... Uh, <clears throat> I don't know about death metal that much, so I don't know how popular they are out in concerts and so forth. But, yeah. But of course, back when heavy metal became popular, it was the new popular rock genre. That's right. And it was the subculture, wasn't it? It was kind of quite radical to like heavy metal, but then it became the mainstream. Mm. Whereas I think death metal is still quite unknown to some extent. Would to you some agree? extent, yes. But also, you know, we have to remember that Cannibal Corpse was in a Jim Carrey movie. So Cannibal so. Corpse, now tell our listeners who may not be familiar absolutely. with that term. It's not a Halloween term, is it? Yeah, absolutely not, even though this is the <laughs> yeah. Halloween spooky special. That's right. But uh, Cannibal Corpse is the biggest band, uh, sales-wise, uh, being one of the very first to come up in the Florida death metal scene in the 1980s, 1990s. Mm -hmm. So they've been around for a very long time by this point in death metal kind of standards. So they're one of those iconic kind of entry-level things that everyone really knows about going into the underground. And you've just said they actually ended up in a, in a, in a Carey, a Jim Carrey film. Yeah. So they kind of entered popular culture, didn't they? They were really controversial because... The music was just raw, angry, and violent. So, yeah. you know, the the American politicians, Congress, and all that were nailing on it. So they were kind of gaining a lot of heat. Yeah, really famous and popular from that. Which, of course, has happened so often, hasn't it? With so many mu musical genres that politicians get involved and say, kids shouldn't be listening to that. <laughs> so, Dave, can you recall what it was in your day that people were moaning about that teenagers were listening to? In, in my day, 78s had only just finished uh, being played. So, um, 
any of that modern rubbish, I think, was the phrase that was thrown around back then. Um, yeah. th there weren't the sort of genres. I mean, we'd, we'd come out of the, the rock and roll area. We were coming into the 60s, let's say. And uh, there wasn't a huge amount of underground music. There was music that had mm. what you didn't realise perhaps then, had undertones and had hidden messages. Um, but there wasn't really an outcry against it. There are a lot of records banned by the BBC, for example, because they thought they were too near the mark on uh, many levels. But uh, I think one of the most memorable ones was the Jane Birkin and Serge Gansborg. Is that the Je Tame That's one? That's the one, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that is very tame compared to what's on MTV these days, isn't it? It, it is, yeah. But at the time, of course, it was... Uh, yeah. yeah. And another one that I think was banned was Lola by the Kinks. Really? Yeah. But not for the reasons you might think it was, because it actually, the first release, um, contained the name of a very popular fizzy drink. Really? Yeah. yeah. And so they had to change the lyrics and change the recording. Whereas with, for example, the likes of Cannibal Corpse that you've just yeah. mentioned, it, it's it's there's sort of a fear, isn't it, of um, a contemporary fear that, that children will be influenced or young people influenced by the kind of the themes in it? It's quite simple. The themes are really raw and quite quite violent. That's the, the whole that's the whole reason behind the death thing, apart from it being having its own sound. Yeah. So focused on that aspect themes. of life, <laughs> the life that isn't there, basically. So, But those are typically themes that adolescents like you at your age, stage in life, are typically interested in. So, you know, if I look back at poems I was writing or songs I was listening to when I was 15, 16, they were all about the big themes, you know, like the universe and death and life. And, you know, it's, it's normal for adolescents to be interested in those themes, which makes it quite attractive to an adolescent, doesn't it? It's just a very angsty, edgy period period in life right now. Yeah. Can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone looks back and thinks, I wish I was 16 again. It is a difficult age, isn't it? But um, gosh, we all wish that we were <laughs> a few years back. Few. So the question is, should we listen to a little bit of death metal? And then Vlod, you can talk us through it. What do you think? Absolutely. Are the listeners of Hertfordshire ready to hear a bit they'll, of death they'll metal? They'll never be ready Possibly for, for the first time. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Wow. So, Vlad, talk us through, you know, those are the guttural sounds of death metal. But even when you hear that music, and I can see that you have an emotional response to it and you really enjoy it. Tell us what it is that appeals to you in terms of, you know, what, what is it that makes it um, makes you feel good? I think from a certain perspective, it's a, it's a comfort zone. Uh, it's well, for anyone going into any music genre, they know what you're expecting. So mm -hmm. there's always that kind of familiarity and with these, these are songs I've heard hundreds of times over by this point. I can say the first one, Cannibal Corpse, second one was Ingested, and I, I love those two bands. I'm head over heels, anyone, anyone who knows me well enough could say. But um, just kind of listening to it, and it's kind of the raw kind of smashing noises and all that, and it's loud, it's in your face, and quite unapologetic. And uh, <laughs> anyone who knows me well enough can say that that's basically me as well, where I'm unap unapologetically me, and... Just yeah. kind of stick to that. And which is great, which kind of is great. Kinship with that. And, you know, I think a lot of parents listening, as you know, would think, oh my goodness, if my, I mean, my little nine year old seems to like death metal, don't know why. But the point is that we'd worry, you know, oh my goodness, it sounds quite riotous and it sounds, you know, we can't, I can't really make out the lyrics, but they sound <laughs> a bit dark. And you've said to me, I mean, you've really convinced me, Vlad, when I've spoken to you outside of the studio, that it's actually has, a, has had a really positive impact on lots of. Of young people and even the lead singer of, of like of Cannibal Corpse he's actually a really nice guy he's genuinely just 
chill and quite... He's just a simple man, really. There's nothing. And he's a family man. I mean, Absolutely. these aren't thugs, you know. These are people that. Uh, you know, I listen. I listen to Death Mob, but I also love my cat very dearly. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> and let's like not that. forget, you like Doris Day. I love Doris Day. What's it? Yeah, yes. Yesterday, watching a film with a certain someone, it was a case that I said I came on, and I just freaked <laughs> out for a solid five minutes. As, as they could probably back me up on this anyway. Now, just in case listeners can't quite get, you know, the parallel of death metal and Doris Day. Do you know what? When you hear Doris Day, we can't stop swaying in the studio, can we? It's so it. good. What do it's, you think, Blood? It's really nice. It's really good for, like, gardening and just anything, basically. <laughs> so, as you said, you like death metal and you like Doris Day and you have a cat that you're very attached yes. to. So, basically, <laughs> what we're all talking about here is stereotypes may not apply to everyone because you can love all sorts of music. Dave, what is your sort of... How, how wide is the range of your music? Oh, very taste? wide, very yeah. wide. I mean, yeah. um, obviously, I like my generation, if you like, of music. I'm, I'm a particular fan of Motown and Northern Soul. Um, but, you know, at the other extreme, I love Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd as well. So it's yay for Led Zeppelin. Have you heard of Led Zeppelin, Blood? My mum keeps kept going on about Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, not really my cup of tea, but I can respect it from a distance. You do know Led Zeppelin. Well, it's a heritage. Don't forget, it's where a lot of the rock and metal came from. I know, so. I, I, that's that's where I respect. It. I'll be like, yeah, not yeah, that's good the on source you. of death metal, for goodness' sake. Right? <laughs> they were the first people to smash guitars on the stage, were they, Dave? Um, I th- Think well. The, the ones I remember vividly were the Who, Pete Townsend smashing his naughty uh, his his uh, up there. Which, as a guitarist, you sort of go, oh, no, no, please don't. <laughs> Do death metal guitarists sort of exhibit that kind of behaviour on stage? You don't make enough. You don't make enough from money in death metal to be buying guitarists <laughs> yeah. just like that. So. <laughs> Not really. Yeah, that's right. So in his book, Breaking Through to Teens, therapist Ron Taffel, I was reading, suggests that in order to understand teens, we must enter their world. And he talks about even his own child being very, very interested in death metal. But the thing is, teenagers now are consuming music in their bedrooms. So that's a massive change, Dave, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's, you know, gone are the days of having the only record player in the house and the radio with three stations on it. Um, I mean, one of the things when I was growing up was was avid listening to to the pirate radio stations like Luxembourg really? and C- Caroline, so you could get different music that wasn't being played on the mainstream uh, mainstream stations. In so the that UK. was quite rebellious, wasn't it? It was a little. It was a little. Yeah, tiny little transistor radios in the. Yeah, you know. yeah, fascinating. So, and I think that um, you know, Vlad, uh, when you listen to death metal, how do you listen to it? Is it via the internet? Well, I uh, just. It's it's usually on my phone, and uh-huh. I'd have it all downloaded because I mean I'm I'm always, I'm always prepared for anything by this point. So, uh, <laughs> but it's a lot of it is very you don't, you don't get a lot of CDs coming out for the smaller bands, so you have to essentially just get it online by this point because you know limitations of the genre, it all being underground and all. And obviously, you enjoy watching it on YouTube probably as Absolutely. well. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so I think what we're going to do is bring on, as I said, I mean, I'm the, I'm, I'm just so proud of myself that I find a psychiatrist who also plays the I'm guitar. I'm very proud of you too. I know, it's amazing! <laughs> so Rob Poole is going to join us after this little break. That's uh, Professor Rob Poole. <laughs> 
Right, and welcome back to The Parent Show on Radio Verlum 92.6 FM. Now, I'm hoping we've got Professor Rob Poole on the phone. Are you there, Rob? I'm here. Oh, what a relief. Thank goodness. I mean, how far away are you? Where where are you in the country? Uh, I'm very close to Chester. Oh, so they have bad phone lines in Chester, do they, maybe? Not usually. (laughs) (laughs) Just for us this evening. So thank you so much for joining us. I mean, it's so exciting to have someone who's not only a professor of social psychiatry and, um, you know, you've had such a a long career and, you know, you've done lots of very um, eminent things. Um, In fact, in 2017, I read that you received the Royal College of Psychiatrists Lifetime Achievement Award. So it's very exciting that we're speaking to you this evening. And notwithstanding that, you're an active musician and you've had a long-standing interest in the interactions between music, creativity and mental illness. Yes, all of that's correct. Now, did you get to listen to what Vlad and I were talking about in terms of his interest, for example, in death metal? And Doris Day, I was... (laughs) Yes. And what's your sort of reaction to that? You know, Vlad has expressed, you know, that kind of, that it's, it's a normal, normative sort of experience for an adolescent to be interested in that kind of extreme music. Is that, is that a normal? Um, well, I don't think it's abnormal. Yeah. Um, um, I, th- I think there's quite a, a, well, it's a small but significant audience for, for, for death metal, and I think it has been for a very long time. Um, I don't think it's a necessary thing that everyone goes through listening to death metal, but for people who like stuff that's kind of very extreme, I suppose, um, and um, a little transgressive, then I think that is just part of some people's well, musical tastes anyway, and sometimes part of their, their teenage years. And um, um, I just wanted to run some um, research that I was reading um, with Vlad this week um, by a lady, a professor in America called Tasha Howe. And she's written about the experiences of, she's sort of done a longitudinal study looking at people who were teenagers who were really into heavy metal back in the 80s. And it was quite an interesting study because um, in the 80s, I'm sure you remember that people who were metalheads, you know, parents were worried they were at risk of poor developmental outcomes and, you know, that they were going to end up having, like, terrible lives as adults. And actually, her recent study, and this is 2015, suggested the metalhead identity served as a protective factor against negative outcomes. And that actually, these were these metalheads were happier in their youth compared to other um, teenagers and actually better adjusted um, as middle-aged um, people. So her suggestion was that participants in a kind of a fringe-style culture may actually enhance identity development in youth, which is interesting, isn't it? It is interesting, although uh, as a scientist, I have to say, at risk of boring the population of St Albans, I have to say that correlation um, is not causation. In other words, just the two things can happen together for a number of different reasons. That's right. And this particular, you know, she she was obviously interviewing uh, metalheads who were quite happy to talk about their, um, you know, past and the interest they had in heavy metal music. Um, I think it's interesting reflecting on the history of heavy metal music as well, though, because even then, you know, 89, 90 parents were worried their children would be drawn into sort of all sorts of activities because they were listening to Ozzy Osbourne and Judas Priest. And it just seems to be the ebb and flow, isn't it, of parental concern and then teenagers seek out these kind of, um, you know, I think it was Baudelaire who said that um, uh, 
teenagers have a, or a common tendency to be attracted to the dark arts. So it just seems to be a sort of a normal thing to, to be attracted to, as you say, transgressive music. Well, at least for some people. I mean, I don't yeah. think it is the same. Not everyone. And I think, yes, yeah. that's absolutely true. I think, um, on the one hand, concern arises because certain types of music get associated with certain types of subculture. Um, and this, this fear that somehow um, all kinds of uh, difficulties might be transmitted through the agency of the music. Um, there was a tremendous fuss when I was a teenager over the film um, Clockwork Orange. Oh, which, yes. Uh, Flood uh, loves Clockwork yeah. Orange. He's just giving me the thumbs up on that one. Which upset... Stanley Kubrick so much that he withdrew the film and it was, wasn't seen for many, many years. Um, actually, the music on the soundtrack was um, Wendy Carlos versions, synthesizer versions of Beethoven, Bach and other classical music. Um, and that was, that, in this fictional cult, that was their music. And, and the point I'm really making is, you know, being, being attracted to a particular type of music doesn't mean that you may then adopt the problems of everybody else that's, that's attracted to that same kind of music. So, I mean, there's some really interesting things. Ozzy Osbourne, who you know, is, has to be one of the people who, ha who invented heavy metal, or Black Sabbath probably invented heavy metal more than anybody else did, um, has often said that he's a massive Beatles fan. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, you know, or then, another Beatles thing, Charles Manson, um, who was the cult leader responsible for the great unpleasant murders in, in uh, Los Angeles in the, in the, in the late 1960s, um, had an association with the Beach Boys, um, and uh, kind of used the track Helter Skelter off the Beatles' White Album as a kind of belief it was a, a clarion call for a, uh, a race war. And yeah. I think, no, the suggestion that somehow the Beatles were stirring up a race war would, would be preposterous. So I think that, you know, that, that people, all kinds of people associate with particular types of music. But that doesn't mean you're then being affected by the things that other people who are attracted to that music might then have a problem with. And the other thing is that, you know, between us, we're all different ages and from different places, but we all have quite a span of interest across different types of music. I think Flood has a question for you, Rob. Yeah, I do. Um, I'd like to ask just what kind of music do you like? Ah, um, well... What kind of music does a professor of psychiatry listen to? We're all intrigued. Well, OK, so um, some of my tastes are the same as Dave's. Um, I, I, I um, certainly, my, the first album I ever bought was Led Zeppelin 2. Yay! And I still play Led Zeppelin 2. Um, I, I love uh, dub reggae, which is another music of my youth, really. Um, the big thing that happened in my life, I was just the right age and in just the right place for punk. Um, so I saw, I was actually on the door at the Sex Pistols' third ever gig when they were playing support for free. Um, and all that stuff happened around me, and I thought the Sex Pistols were fantastic. And I, I, I really enjoyed it. I was about 20, when they finally broke through, I was about 20, 21. And I just loved the hysteria around, about, around the Sex Pistols. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and I still listen to that kind of, some of that kind of stuff. Um, I like jazz. Um, uh, I particularly like uh, 50s and early 60s jazz, but I like more recent stuff. 
Um, and I love blues. I mean, blues has been the thing that's gone all the way through. But the single artist that I like the most is Jimi Hendrix. Um, and that's, that's, that's been a, an enduring passion from beginning to end for me. I'm trying to read Flood's face as you've mentioned these different people. Dub Reggae got a bit of a thumbs down, did it, Flood? Oh, I have Flod. no idea <laughs> what Dub Reggae is. I haven't either. Oh. What's Dub I'm, Reggae? I'm actually <laughs> trembling right now from just fear from just hearing the name. So, <laughs> What is it? Dub Reggae. It was... Um, well, it's very influential, really. It, 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 so when they were recording reggae records, um, in the, particularly in the late 60s, early 70s, they would then they record a straight version of the reggae song, and then they'd do a B-side that would be a kind of mashed-up version uh, they, they, with lots of echo and, uh, 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 and random sounds coming in. And a lot of the dub, reggae had a big impact on bands like Massive Attack and Left Field later, so um, and um, the, the hip hop, the trip hop stuff of the uh, of the early nineties was very influenced by dub reggae. There are so many different genres. Um, Can I just go back to Clockwork Orange because I know you love Clockwork Orange as I well. I love Lord. Anthony Burgess and I love the book, the film especially, but the book. Well. And Stanley Kubrick, you may not know this, Flood, he lived in Hertfordshire, very, very near this studio, which is very interesting. Um, and actually he filmed some of his films there, I think Eyes Wide Shut. Now, the thing about Clockwork Orange is, as a parent, you think, oh my gosh, I hope my teenager won't watch that. Because there's a, it's a combination of violence in it with the classical music that you find most most sort of the you know most disturbing and you know if you just watch that film without really understanding what Kubrick was trying to do it is really scary <laughs> I mean would you agree Rob? Um, uh, well I know what you mean I, I don't find it scary but then um, uh, yeah sorry I mustn't interrupt go on I, I just think you know um, I think parents would have difficulty accepting that Clockwork Orange is a is a must see film for teenagers. That's all. Um, well, what I remember, uh, it did the, certainly the style of it had a big impact, and of course, back to Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Um, John Bonham took to wearing a bowler hat and a, and a white bodysuit, uh, yeah. uh, the same as the gang did in um, in a Clockwork Orange, um, and, and and there was a, there was a, some link. With, with some of my friends who were aggressive, but they'd been skinheads before that. <laughs> yeah, so this <laughs> is the era of... of um, I mean, everybody remembers skinheads. Uh, but, uh, so what I'm saying is they may have, they may have adopted some of the stylistic elements, but the, 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 the kind of aggressive behaviour was there already. That's right, that's right. So I think, and as a criminologist, I'm a criminologist, and we used to we study lots about the fact that you know, that it's not kind of absorbed into... You know, you don't listen to death metal and think, oh, you know... You know, you want to do any of the things mentioned in it, do you, Vlad? It's 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 not as stark as that. It's not what parents fear. Would you agree? I mean, speak for yourself. Every every morning <laughs> I wake up with the with the urge to kill, but you know, I hold myself. You hold yourself God, in. That's good. But with in terms of in a serious note about the emotional catharsis, you know, cathartic effect of music, Vlad, tell us what it feels like for you when you listen to that music. You know, what kind of response does it elicit in you? Well, for me, it's always a sense of comfort that's carried around with it because a good couple of songs bands used to listen to whenever 
uh, well, I used to be a very anxious chap, so uh, carrying on from that, whenever I'd be having just a bit of a moment, probably from something stupid, but <laughs> that's me, uh, and I'd just listen to something to, like, Cannibal Corpse Ingested, one of those, and it, it would always kind of make me feel better, and it kind of have me focusing on, on myself for that moment, take myself out of the situation. So that's very interesting, isn't it? So with anxiety, I'm sure I'd love to hear your take on this, Rob, that actually he's, uh, Vlad has described being grounded by the music um, and trying to sort of um, pass, you sort of pass through the anxiety by being grounded through the music. Does that make sense? I think it does. And I think that the, 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 the music obviously has positive associations for you, Vlad. Uh, that are evoked, and, and, and the great thing about music is it kind of um, short circuits uh, words. It, 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 it kind of it's uh, an absorbing experience, and you don't have to reason it out to um, to experience the emotions that it evokes. And, and that means that music can change your mood state, whatever your age, very quickly. Absolutely. Can we all think of a song that just? changes our mood or, the, or, or so you might seek music to change your mood mood or you might seek music that reflects your mood isn't that right so if you want to cheer yourself up what would you listen to rob uh, uh rescue me from telepath ah oh. Oh, Dave likes that. Okay. <laughs> Never heard of it Delightful. oh no <laughs> oh it's classic it's classic cafe okay if i want to cheer myself up i listen to van morrison everybody have you heard of him no. Yes. Right, thank God for Wait, that. One out of um, four. Flawed, he's Irish. He's from Belfast. That, it, it's a name I've heard. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure I've got a CD. You know, Brown Eyed Girl, that type of thing. Got, I've got a CD. Yeah. What do you listen to to cheer yourself up? Something by Cannibal um, Corpse? Oh, God. Oh, there's so, too many so choices. Many. Um, well, I mean, not a lot of. De not only Death Mother, so stuff like Poets of the Fall, uh, Pennywise, and all that. It's great. It's great kind of bands on the side, but. It's death metal. Be a couple songs that kind of help me unwind, unwind or relax and mm. really stress. I am mm. ingested uh, from their release. What was it called? Uh, Architect of Extinction. Uh, the, the opening track. Uh, Does it go a bit like this? Architect of Extinction. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good guess, like. <laughs> but like uh, the opening track to the album was "Divine Right of Kings," and uh, I, I know that one. Uh, every single line in it, every single word. I've covered the song hundreds of times my own. So when I listen to it, not only do I know everything, I can kind of sing along to it. Yeah. And apart from it being a cathartic, angry release, yeah. it's also got that familiarity with it. Like I can kind of mouth the words. Yeah, that's nice. So these are sort of comfort tracks, aren't they, that we all kind of go back to. Dave, what do you go back to? It makes you happy. Uh, it's, it's, it's probably Motown Soul. Yeah. And any any of those, um, particularly Otis Redding. Actually, he's my favorite oh, he's so favorite good. singer of uh, of all time, and yeah. taken way too young from us. But, yeah, so. and that brings me to my very next point, which I nearly forgot about. Rob, you know, musicians. You know, I've been devastated this year looking at people like Mac Miller, who's died at twenty six, um, Lil Peep, which lots of parents will have never have heard of, but I actually quite like, even though he's a bit naughty. Um, he, he's here. dead as well. He's passed away, both from drug overdoses. This uh, Jimi Hendrix died. What age was Jimi Hendrix? Twenty eight. I mean. We're talking about music being good for mental health, but what about the lifestyle that goes with it? Well, that is something I've been very interested in. Um, certainly, there's uh, 
there's a couple of studies. It's very hard to study these things. Musicians are a different, difficult group of people to capture. They have, they're, they're on tour. They're, you know, where do you find musicians to, 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 to interview? Um, but nonetheless, there have been a, a, a few reasonably good studies that do reasonably clearly show that um, cohorts of musicians, say, so there was a study by a guy called Jeffrey Wills, uh, a clinical psychologist, um, about 15 years ago, looking back at jazz musicians of the 1950s that showed they had astronomical levels of heroin and, um, and alcohol use, which at one level isn't surprising. That's part of the kind of mythology of musicians of that era. But, but in fact, there's a fairly... Um, stable finding that at least writers, some types of creative people, certainly writers have significantly higher than normal usual rates, population rates, of alcohol problems. It, it, with, with musicians, it seems to, the, the, the extent to which they're involved in, in drug misuse seems to fluctuate over time. So it does seem fairly clear that modern jazz musicians just don't take drugs. It's an extraordinary turnaround, perhaps having learnt from that very high mortality rate of previous generations, whereas rock musicians still, still seem to be extremely prone to it. Yeah, and I mean, young people, I mean, in America, there seems to be some sort of young musicians are attracted to the kind of prescriptive drugs, and it's all, it's all very... Well, that's right, which I could bore you about as well, because it's another one of my research interests, quite independently of the interest in music, is the use of the, you know, high dose prescription drugs. So, so whilst we're saying the social support, the the fabulous you know aspect of being in a band and that and and actually engaging with the music is good for mental health. What the, you know, look at Amy Winehouse. You know, the side, the side, the choral ways that go along with it can well, I be think quite. Lifestyle is terrible. Yeah, and I think that's that's true of musicians of all types. Yeah, from classic, you know, from people who are members of orchestras, through to um, anyone who makes their living playing as a musician. It's insecure. It is, it's extremely disruptive of family life. Um, it, it's, you, you keep extremely irregular hours. Um, and I think there's some things about performance. Some people get very anxious before they perform and, 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 and feel the need to use stuff. Yeah, to, that's uh, very interesting. To, to, yeah. to, to try and get calmer before they go on stage. Others, and I think, that, I think this is an underestimated problem, is coming down after, after a performance. Yeah, and I think particularly think of performance of, of say death metal, it's very intense. That's right. And if you've got a very strong reaction from the audience, which I think you probably normally do, yeah, it's hard to imagine people standing and listening to death metal and uh, in, with, with kind of oh yeah that was all right. Um, uh, I think that, that, that when you've got an audience response and the music and making the music and the raw power of the experience of being on stage. Uh, it's very difficult to come down again. Yeah, that's uh, like any performance. I mean, that's how I feel after the parent show every week. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't recommend you misuse <laughs> but, the but adrenaline. The do. adrenaline, you know. So, uh, and, it, and it's and it's such a it's such a theme, and, and and I think people have really underestimated how bad for people's both physical and mental health it is to be a musician, uh, and and it all looks kind of glamorous and exciting. Yeah. But I, I yeah. Think it's pretty. It, there's long periods of boredom. Is the other thing. If you're a touring musician, you know, you get up, you get on the coach, you yeah, travel, yeah. you've got to arrive, you've got to sit around while everyone sets up, then you do a sound check, then you've got to go somewhere and do something until it's time for you to come on, um, then you come on for, for an hour and a half or two hours or whatever, and, and then it's back to the hotel again. 
or back to the or sometimes to the tour bus to sleep. Well, that's um, it's, it's not much of a life, is it? I mean, there's a lot of dead time to kill. We'll have to ask what happened to Doris Day. Did she have an early death? I'm just thinking. She's still alive. She's, Doris Day. She's alive and kicking. Yeah, she's like 70, 80 right now. Oh my goodness! I, no, think, that... I think she's about ninety, isn't she? She's still alive, though. That's correct. Yeah. Now that is good news. Good news in the in the midst of what we've been talking. Her, her music's about. quite um, yeah, because she was she wasn't really a musician much. She was an actress. She was an actress, life, so yeah. but she, she sang as well. Right. So, well, yeah. wasn't, wasn't one of her sons involved? In fact, with Charles Manson, who I men- mentioned earlier. Doris Day has a connection to to, to, to Charles Manson. Yeah, through her son. I don't think a direct, I, I, I think so. I don't think I'm making this up. I'm sure this is correct. We'll have to look that up later. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, listen, thank you for chewing the fat with us, Rob. And we just love speaking to you. There's so much to chat about. And I've learned so much. I've got a lot of bands to Google when I go home. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much for speaking to us and all the very best. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you. And next up, we're going to be talking to Joe Asham. So bringing it back, our whole chat about mental health and music and creativity to Joe Asham. Now, some of you will know her. She's a freelance arts consultant um, with an interest in mental health and the arts in general. And she lives in St Albans. So we're just going to have a little break and I will get Joe on the phone coming up very, very shortly. So listen, we've got Joe Ascom, excuse me, on the uh, phone. And Joe, um, very welcome to the, warm welcome to the parents. So how are you? Yeah, I'm good this evening, thanks. Thank you. And we know that you're a local champion of the arts and mental health and we're very grateful to you for sparing the time to be on the show this evening. I'm really glad to be here and have the opportunity to talk. I'm really passionate about um, the effect that arts can have, the positive effect that the arts can have on mental health. And in your experience, Joe, just to sort of, um, what are the, you know, what are the most exciting um, features of, of the arts that you think are positive for mental health, given it's so wide? It's a really hard question to actually tie it down, because as you say, there is, it, it, there's so much, but my experience very much is it helps self-esteem, it helps confidence, it helps people to socialise. I mean, quite often in the sessions that I've been involved in, I don't, I'm not an artist. I don't deliver myself, but um, I arrange for artists to deliver sessions and I go along to them. And quite often, some of the best work happens in the coffee break because people have relaxed with whatever creative thing they've been doing and then they come together and they chat and they start to open up. And some people have been very isolated, so it's just an opportunity to meet other people. And so, and there's a therapeutic sort of benefit there in in the actual, you know, in, in the artistic work, but equally in the social element as you've identified. Oh, I think so. Yes. I mean, the sessions that we've been running, um, which have been for adults, have it's very definitely not art therapy. That's much more of a sort of one-to-one thing. It's the opportunity um, to have an arts experience in a safe and what's really key is a non-judgmental environment. So. Uh, what I want to do is encourage people to come and have a go because there's no such thing as I can't do art. I can't do art, but I've done some of the sessions and you just surprise yourself. And that's one of the things that, you know, you really feel that you've achieved something. And I'm just going to bring Vlad in here, who's our resident teenager, so we're going to be asking him, does that resonate, Vlad? I know you like art and you like drawing. How do you, does that resonate what Joe said? Um, Yeah, to a certain extent. I'd imagine I'm not. I'm not a very artistic individual in in the sense of any any amount of talent once it gets to it. But 
I can I can appreciate it, and it does like it, it say in art in art class, for example, that was more of the more relaxed kind of elements, uh, and just classes in school. Yeah, hands down, just just a nice atmosphere. Overall. Were you allowed to relax and and engage with it? I mean, I don't actually I don't I don't actually know. It's just kind of doing my own thing, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd imagine the teacher wasn't too against it. And Joe, and um, everyone is talking about mindful colouring, and also it, that's become quite popular that people associate positive mental health with with artistic endeavour. I think one of the things. I mean, what Vlad's saying was interesting. I think he, he said something quite interesting, which was you can just do your own thing. Yeah, and he didn't think the teacher minded much. Yeah. I think that's. That's really spot on that you can just, you know, our sessions are very much, I mean, there'll be some guidance, but you're not working to a curriculum or anything like that, and there'll be different materials offered and so on. And I think it's just an opportunity. I mean, it's sort of anecdotal evidence I've had from sort of talking to people. Um, we had someone who was referred to us um, on our some prescription who'd presented with suicidal thoughts. And we used to run coffee mornings, and she came to a coffee morning once, and she said, you know, yesterday I wasn't feeling great, and I just got my art materials, and the next thing I knew it was the evening. Oh, lovely, yeah. And it's very interesting, we're seeing a parallel, hearing a parallel this evening about that sort of being absorbed in whether it's a song or it's flow, isn't it, when you're, when you're really deeply involved in an activity like that. And that's, that's what's so lovely, you're checking out, aren't you? You're just enjoying being, you know, being. I think very much so. I mean, the opportunity to take two hours away um, from whatever, you know, whatever it is that's your issue at the moment... Partly through the social thing and partly, as you say, the fact that you can just tune into something completely different. And we've been running creative writing sessions as well, which I think have had very much the same, the same kind of effect. Because, again, that's something you can very easily take away and do outside the sessions. It doesn't have to be a lead Activity. That's right, it can kind of continue. Vlad, do you wanted to ask Joe something? Um, I've, I've got more kind of ex expanding on the point, I think. Just tell, tell me if I'm wrong, but I'd imagine it's not tied down to a specific thing, such as music or art or writing or poetry, but it's just having kind of your thing and something you could kind of feel free with, in a way, whether it be art or writing a song or performing or anything. Uh, no, I agree. It's important to have the opportunity to try different things to find out which is your thing. And, of course, sometimes the difficult thing in engaging people, once you, once you get... I always find that once I can get people there, then that's it, and they're hooked. But it, the difficult thing, of course, is lacking, lack of confidence and... You know, just feeling anxious and coming to start the very the first session. That's right. Just getting but, there, yeah, isn't it? Getting there is often getting there the first time is often the most difficult thing. And Jill, can you tell us people listening who want to go along, where can they find these sorts of activities locally? Well, certainly for young people, um, Trestle Arts, uh, Arts Base is a good place to start. Brilliant. They've yep. been running. Um, they've been running some workshops for young people using masks. Oh, lovely. So performing arts workshops. Um, and um, I understand that they're going to be doing some in St Albans quite soon. Um, if you're interested in music, um, there's the Hertfordshire Youth Service, YC Hertfordshire, runs sessions at the Pioneer. 
Lovely. That's and I'm great. I'm sure a lot of people will uh, rem- either remember the pioneer. <laughs> Parents might remember the pioneer from their youth. <laughs> Dave's and, nodding here yeah. wisely. Yes. <laughs> None of us know what it is, but that's okay. <laughs> yep. Um, so I think that you know those are a couple of good activities. Um, Youth Connections Hertfordshire, their base is in Catherine Street, and it's worth dropping in there and just seeing what they have going on. Because I'm about to be, hope to be doing some work with them. I'm in the middle of applying for some money from, um, from the lottery to run some young people and wellbeing sessions at museums throughout the county, and we'll be running that through in St Albans as well. Lovely. Well, do, do you know what I love about what you flagged <laughs> up is the fact that parents may not necessarily think that these activities would be beneficial for their teenager who might yeah. be struggling. And I just love the fact you've just, you know, encouraged parents to look a little bit further afield for their children. Well, I hope they will. Um, and think about people like YC Hertfordshire because, you know, pe- sometimes people have stereotypical views of the kind of people who go to youth services uh-huh. and it's not like that at all it's for absolutely everybody brilliant and um, for adults what do, what do you have on offer is it very much this sort of if we just go to those two sites we would find out information yeah um, there's a site called the Hertfordshire directory which you get through get to through the um, through the county council website uh-huh, the Hertfordshire Directory. Yeah, okay, and so there's, can... there are a lot of offers there of different activities. I mean, physical activity is good as well. I'm, you know, I'm my thing really is obviously the arts, but I'm sure we all know that physical activity, you know, and getting out in the country and that sort of thing is also really good for one's well-being. And also, all of us have been reading, even today in the Hearts Advertiser, there was a whole article on feeling down in the dumps at this particular time of year with the dark nights. And I think we all forget, you know, that a lot of these things, music can make us feel better, yeah. physical exercise, joining an art class for the next few darker months. Um, those are all lovely ideas for all of us. Yeah, and I think music's a really important one because... There's so much choice. But on the other hand, it can be quite isolating. Yes, because you're not actually engaging with, yeah, That's with right. other so people. It's, uh, music is a sort of double-edged sword. If you're gig- going to gigs or playing music or in a choir, that's, very, you know, that's really good for your well-being. Listening to music's good for your well-being too. Yeah. Um, but it's good to be doing things with other people. That often helps. And people who are in the same sort of situation as you are. And Joe, um, uh, we're going to have to stop there, but thank you so much for joining us. That's Joe Askham, freelance arts consultant, and I know you're very much locally based. So hopefully we'll bump into you again or have you back on the parent show. I hope so. Okay, Great. take Thanks care. Bye bye. Bye bye. And that was Joe Askham, and we've spoken to Professor Rob Poole. Have we got any time left, Dave? We've got a few minutes yeah, because maybe. hopefully we're going to speak to, we'll have a little tiny break, and we're going to come back with Aline Kone Bavister, who's going to tell us about a very, very exciting party coming up. Parent Show is sponsored by Neve Solicitors. Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor the Parent Show. The friendly team at Neve's includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neve Solicitors, your complete legal solution. 
and our final little segment. I hope you've enjoyed yourself, Flawed, have you, on the show tonight? We've got a little... fantastic. Good, hooray, we've cheered up a teenager. Um, We're going to speak to Aline Conne-Bavister, who's sneaking in to tell us about a very exciting local party. Hello, Aline. Bonsoir. Bonsoir, I should say. (laughs) Aline is French, Flawed, in case you think she's... Ah, okay, well... Some mad listener who's just phoned in. That has cleared up a few things. That's cleared up a few things. So tell us what's coming up that's very exciting that everyone should have in their diaries. Absolutely. So we're celebrating seven years of Bouche Oreille being on air. Um, Bouche Oreille is Radio Verne's weekly show, which is all in French every Monday from 9pm to 10pm. And we thought, what a brilliant opportunity to celebrate. And we're having a party, which is a fundraiser for Radio Verlum, on Saturday, the 17th of November at Friedville Community Centre. And it's great because our birthday coincides with the Beaujolais Nouveau, which is wine, as some of you might know. Um, so it's the new Beaujolais season, so we will have some Beaujolais for people to savour. And obviously we will have some French music for people to groove to. So, um, And by the can... way, I've got something to say. I've noticed that the Radio Verulam colours are the same colours as the French flag. Bet you didn't I notice know. that. How, how amazing is that? <laughs> it's, it's, it's very serendipitous. So if people want to come and join us and party, they can go on uh, radioverulam.com forward slash party. Yay, and I'm going to be there. Do you have to speak You're French to, to go? Do you have to sort of try and speak French? Yes, I wear a beret if you want, but, you know, the yeah. main thing is come and have some Lovely. fun and raise money. After for a few bottles Berlin. of Beaujolais, people can speak French. Okay, thank you so much for joining us, Celine. We've <laughs> got one you. minute left of the press show. <laughs> thank um, you. Thank Bye-bye. you so much to you and to everyone who's listened tonight. Um, Professor Rob Poole, Vlad, thank you so much for coming in and taking time out of your busy teenager schedule. Very, very busy. The days are filled with angst. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it. And to Dave Neal and to Joe Askham, who is our resident um, champion of the arts and mental health in St Albans. So thank you very much for joining us on this dark half term. And uh, hopefully you will join us back on The Parent Show next week. We're on live every Thursday evening uh, between 8 and 9pm on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam the radio station for St Albans. Thank you so much for listening. All the very best. Neves solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk Neves solicitors, your complete legal solution.